Well, welcome to Mile Straight. So glad you're here today. Uh, this evening is our candlelight service and uh, such a very special time. You don't want to miss that. 6.30 tonight, tomorrow, Christmas Eve, and then Christmas. Man, it just doesn't get much better than that, does it? I am so excited for Christmas. Our grandson and our daughter and son-in-law came in as well, but... <laughs> Our grandson came in, which uh, just makes Christmas so much more exciting for us and uh, super happy that, uh, that uh, they're here. If you would, in your bulletin, you'll find a study guide if you'll take it out. And feel free to grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack. We jump into our discussion this morning. You may look at... Um, at the title, I'm not positive that it made it on your study guide or not, but if it did, you may look at it and say, well, now that sounds familiar. And it's familiar because this is actually part two of this particular study, which is love, exciting and new. Now, maybe you remember this from last year. We started this discussion last year, and this year we're going to continue that. And the way you may remember it is not because the, the study that day was so incredible that you just couldn't get it out of your head, but uh, because of the fact that we used a tune from a very popular show called Love Boat. Uh, love, exciting and new, come aboard, we're expecting you. And you just see how, yes, that's, that's worthy, I think. <laughs> you just see how spiritual that is, and you think, wow, why hasn't anyone used that in church before? And, uh, if I lose my job right after this, you'll understand why no one has used, they were smarter than I was, but... Love Boat. It, it has absolutely nothing to do with the study, but those first few words of that song are really powerful in relationship to what we see in the birth of Jesus Christ. Love that's exciting and new. I want to show you that this morning. I just want you to walk through a couple of thoughts, and I promise you this morning, it, this may be the shortest discussion I've ever given on a Sunday morning. And unless something happens, we'll be done here in just a little bit. But um, just, just hang in here with me. Please pay careful attention to where we're going with these thoughts, okay? Number one, I want you to jot this down. Your first fill in on your study guide. So the people had grown accustomed to a love that was self-serving. The reason this birth, being Jesus Christ, God of the universe, the reason this birth was so exciting, was so new, was because of what he was bringing to mankind. Jesus was bringing something with him that no one had experienced before, at least not on this level. The people during this time had experienced a love that was self-serving to, to a big degree. Uh, you can look back in the history of the people of Israel and you find times in the book of Judges and other places later on where God says that the people began to do what was right in their own eyes. In other words, they were following the lust of their hearts. They were looking for pleasure. They weren't concerned about what God wanted. They weren't concerned about what was good for other people. 
But they were mainly concerned about what was going to bring them fun and, and pleasure at the moment. Now, it was quite problematic because they were not doing what God wanted them to do. And you see that time and time again. There would be a pattern of, of them returning to God, God getting their attention, them returning to God, and them once again straying from what God had for them. In the course of time, you find this going over and over, but now when we get to the time that Jesus is going to be born, something different happens. And strangely enough, while it is so different, it is also so much the same. Because yes, they have strayed from God, but not in a way that they're looking for desire, they're looking for pleasure, they're looking to follow their lust, but in a way that says, I am very religious. Very religious. Now, you may say, well, if they're religious, then they're close to God, right? It may surprise you to find that you can be very religious and not know God at all. You can be incredibly religious so much that, that everyone looks at you as some sort of a superior being when it comes to religion and yet not have a relationship with God whatsoever. It's a very unfortunate thing in a lot of churches today that there are a lot of people who are religious But they're not part of God's family. And sadly, that's what was taking place in the nation of Israel during the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. The people had become so religious that they wanted to elevate their religiosity, if that's even a word. They wanted to be so superior to everyone else that they began to add their own rules and their own regulations. They thought, if, if I can just... Add something that no one else is doing. If I can just become something that no one else can become, then everyone will look at me and say, look at how religious that person is. It had become so important to them that their rules, their regulations now held the same level of importance as the Word of God, as God's own decrees, as God's own rules, as God's own regulations. Now this in itself was different from what the nation of Israel had experienced during the other times when they did what was right in their own eyes. And yet it was still very much the same because while they were doing this religious obligation, while they were trying to become superior in their religion, they had turned their backs on God. Yes, they were religious, but they weren't godly. They were religious, but they weren't obedient to God. And in the middle of this chaos, trying to one-up the other person, they came to the same place that the children of Israel had been all along, in that there was no longer a concern for others, there's no longer a concern for what was good for other people, but now it was all about me. And if I need to step on you to get to a higher place, if I need to use you in order to become 
higher in the eyes of other people, or at least in my own eyes, I'm willing to do that. Therefore, if I see you do something wrong, if you break one of my rules, you, you don't follow through on what you're supposed to do as a, as a Christ follower, as, a, as one who is part of God's family, then you can rest assured that I'm going to point it out. I want everyone to know what's going on in your life. And I'm going to condemn you to the extent that you may never be able to recover again. You see, the problem with the love they had at that point in time was that it wasn't a genuine love. For the most part, it was a love that was concerned with self. It was a love that was concerned with how am I going to look better to other people. Now, quite honestly, in 2,000 years, there's not a lot changed, has there? In this 2,000 years, we find that our society is very much the same. There's a lack of concern for other people, and there's a great concern for self. A lack of concern for what betters other people, and a great concern for what betters me. What makes me look better. Do I need to chew somebody out? Do I need to yell at someone? Do I need to get in someone's face? Do I need to condemn someone so that I look better? What a shame. But herein is where we find this great distinction. Your, your second fill-in says this. Jesus brought a love that was based on something different. It was so refreshing. The love that, that Jesus had was so refreshing because it was so different from what everyone else was used to. This love of Jesus Christ was based on, on His obedience to God. It was based upon His love and concern for other people. And Jesus brought a love that was sacrificial. It was provisional. Throughout the Bible, you find time and time again where this type of love is expressed. How the love of God was expressed. How it was shown. Very clearly, we see the love of Christ spelled out for us in these two ways. That it is sacrificial and it is provisional. Listen as Paul and David read some verses that explain that. Luke 2.10 and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people. John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. 1 Timothy 1, 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst. Hebrews nine twenty six. Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Titus 2, 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek 
and to save the lost. John 3, 14 through 16. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 15, 9a. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So we see these two traits spelled out very clearly throughout these passages that were read and so many others. Letter A on your study guide says that this was a love that sacrificed. This was a love that sacrificed. When, when Christ came, he sacrificed so much. You just think about it. Let me just list a couple of thoughts for you. Number one, he sacrificed his freedom. Now, I'm not saying that he couldn't at any point assume the qualities and the characteristics of God once again and therefore do away with anyone who was causing him problems. But the Bible says that he emptied himself of the right to be God. He subjected himself to the point of being like us. Can you imagine what a sacrifice that must have been for God to become like us? And that was a sacrifice. He sacrificed his, his throne. He sacrificed his right to heaven for a period of time to live here. He sacrificed his, his dignity as far as other people were concerned. As they were looking on, I mean, he was humiliated at the place of the cross. And he sacrificed his life for us. And there on the cross, Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself. And he bore the wrath and judgment of Almighty God for the sin that was upon him. It wasn't his own sin, it was our sin that put him on the cross. And there, Jesus suffered and died to pay the price of what we had done wrong. Certainly, this was a great sacrifice, an incredible sacrifice. But it was this sacrifice that made possible, letter B, the provision. And this was a love that provided as well. It was a love that would provide for us eternal life. It was a love that would provide for us the opportunity to be forgiven of our rebellion against God. It was a love that would provide a, an opportunity to escape the wrath and judgment of Almighty God. It was a love that provided an opportunity to have a relationship with Almighty God. A love that, that provided love that we had never known. Could never have expected And how was this love made available? Through the sacrifice of the Savior. You see, Jesus died to pay the price of my rebellion. And when I place my faith and trust in Him, these things which He provided become reality for me. Jesus died. He sacrificed. He provided. And as a result, the third thing that 
Third primary point to put on your study guide. This was a love that should absolutely change us. It was a love that should absolutely change us. Because of the love that Christ showed, because of the love that Christ extended, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Because of this kind of love, and because of what was sacrificed and what was provided through that kind of love, it ought to change us. It ought to bring us to an understanding of what God has done on our behalf. You'll find the verses, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 39. Jesus was asked the question, what is the great commandment? What's the most important commandment? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are two things that I see here that relate to this love of God that ought to change us. Number one is that it ought to cause us, or letter A on your study guide, it should cause us to respond to Him. It should cause us to respond to Him. As someone expresses or explains to us what the Word of God says, and as the Holy Spirit takes that message and begins to prick our hearts, it ought to bring about a change in our lives. It ought to bring a change that causes us to respond to God. Now, response in that, that number one, we declare Christ to be Lord of our lives. But then upon doing that, we return that love to Him. As He said, the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There ought to be a response of love back to God. This, this gift that's been given, this, this great free gift that's been given to us that was so expensive, that was such a sacrifice for Jesus Christ, we ought to see it, embrace it, and therefore return the love that's been given to us. It ought to cause us to respond. Number two, or letter B, it should cause us to mimic Him or act like Him. It ought to cause us to take on His actions. Jesus said the second commandment is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Even as Christ came to show love to us through sacrifice and, and through providing for us, we then ought to turn around, respond to God in love, and respond to others by mimicking the actions of Jesus Christ, by living out what Jesus Christ has given to us, we ought to love others. We ought to have a compassion for others. We ought to have a concern for those who are around us that is greater than our concern for what they think about us, that is greater than our concern of what it might cost us, We ought to mimic the actions of Jesus Christ. The love of God, the love of Christ ought to bring about a change in us that generates 
a response to God and a mimicking of the Savior. These people were not used to that kind of love. For them, if you had told them that one was coming that would behave in such a way that would sacrifice for them, they may not have believed it. If they had believed it, they would have said something to the effect, and this is something that's pretty new to us. That's pretty exciting. I don't know that we've ever seen that before. To find out that Jesus in the process sacrificed so much, provided so much because of his love for us, because of his obedience to the Father, it ought to cause us to respond in like fashion. So let me ask you. Religion or Christianity? Religion, I'm concerned with what people think. I'm only concerned with what makes me look better. I'm going to do things out of obligation. Christianity, I'm concerned with how this affects others. I'm concerned with my obedience to God. I'm concerned with the way that the love of Christ is seen through me. Which do you own? Religion? Christianity? You know, here's the thing. A lot of people for years have gone to church... They've even served in church. They've given in church. And yet they were never part of God's family. You see, being in church, serving in church, giving in church, will not save you. The only thing that will bring about radical change in our lives is Jesus Christ. Do you know Him as your Savior? This morning, I want to invite you to do something. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. The instrumentalist will come. Jason will as well. And we're going to start what's known as a time of invitation where we invite you to respond to the message. If you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if this is new to you or, or you've just been pushing it away for years, then today I invite you to come and find out more about what that means. I invite you to come to understand more about Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does that involve? Let me ask you to do this. When the time comes, I'll ask you, you to step from your place to the aisle that's closest to you and meet me right here. And what's going to happen from there is I'm going, to, I'm going to hand you off to someone who is trained in God's Word, who can walk you through God's plan of salvation. If you'd like to know more, no pressure will be put on you whatsoever. We're not asking you to join anything. We just want to share with you some information from the Bible that will be beneficial to you, that will show you God's plan of salvation for you. 
So if you'd like to have that information, then my invitation to you this morning is when that opportunity comes, just to step out and come and meet me right here at the front. I promise you, I'm not going to call out your name. I'm not going to point you out. We don't do those things here. But I would love to share information with you that will be beneficial. If on the other side of this, you, you know Christ is your Savior, but you've strayed away from Him, then this morning, can I invite you, whether you come to the front and find a spot or you do it where you are, that you just say, God, I am so sorry. My response to the love of Christ is that I'm going to love you with all my heart. And one of the ways I'm going to show my love is through my obedience to you. Forgive me for straying. Would you do that this morning? If you need to know more about being part of our church family, if you need to know more about the matter of baptism, then I invite you to come as well. However God is working in your life, would you be obedient to what He wants from you today?